0: Let's pray. Lord, we do uh, uh, pray for this time, God, and we ask that God, you would touch our hearts. As we look at this passage and knowing the history uh, of when Hebrews was written, knowing the history of what's being talked about and what's being quoted, God, uh, it, it blows my mind that, Lord, you're relevant for every age. And God, I pray that what is said here today, what we're going to read, Lord, that we would use for a mirror for our hearts, that we would be willing to let your word examine us and change us. And God, that doesn't matter where we're at. doesn't matter what's going on, whether, whether we're struggling with something emotionally or physically or, or spiritually, Lord. We all need for you to examine us. So God, bless this time, and again, open us up for your Holy Spirit to work in us. And God, we just, again, we give you this time, we thank you for it, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we uh, get started, once again, just kind of a, a just a reminder to kind of keep in mind uh The author of Hebrews has been spending a lot of time exalting Jesus and letting us know Jesus is greater than the prophets, greater than the angels. Jesus, uh, you know, became man so that we could be saved. He's greater than Moses. And he's doing all of that for a reason so that you and I would understand if Jesus is greater than, then you and I need to know something, then we should probably listen to him if he's at the top of the heap so to speak we should probably pay a little bit more attention now today he's going to talk about hard hearts and this is the second warning of 5 well people call them warning i call them encouragements but the second of 5 that he's going to give in hebrews and once again i think we should read these and not get freaked out we should read these and be encouraged that god knows exactly what can trip us up god knows exactly what can derail us in our walk with him, and he cares enough to say, hey, watch out, be careful, and understand that that can really come in your life and mess up your relationship with me. That's how much he loves us. So the author here is going to talk again about hard hearts, and he's going to talk about Israel for a little bit. And imagine the nation of Israel probably... I think several different times, the greatest migration of people ever to happen in history. When you think of them coming out of Egypt, just that part that we're going to concentrate on here a little bit this morning, so I'm not going to talk a lot about it right now. But they come out of Egypt, 600,000 men, so at least a million and a half people, maybe two million people. That's huge. And then I think, personally, in our generation, we've been able to witness one of the greatest things ever, uh, people who have been displaced out of their country for 15, 1,600 years, and now they're back, and they're there, that's nuts. That's crazy, and they're coming back in greater and greater numbers. So, as we think about that, all of that's good, but here's the problem. You can believe things about God intellectually, but not in your heart. And to me, that's called disbelief. And we get hard hearts by, listen, by not doubting, but by disbelieving God intentionally. So, as we begin here, look at, he 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 starts out here, and he says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice. Now, I wanna stop there for a moment because I think this is pretty incredible. Number one, the therefore. So everything I've been talking about, think about. But then he says this thing that sort of blows my mind. He says, as the Holy Spirit says. The author of Hebrews at this point is telling you and I that Psalm 95 is inspired by God. In other words, here's one of those places in the Bible where we know that the Bible is inspired by God because he just told us that. Bottom line, here's what he says. God said, today if you hear his voice, so Psalm 95 was written about a 1,000 years before Hebrews. So let's think about this for a moment. Something was written a 1,000 years before Hebrews and it was written to people of that time and that generation to encourage them and to strengthen them. Now a thousand years later, the author of Hebrews is using that same passage to encourage and strengthen people. Now 2,000 years after that thousand years, we're using that same passage to encourage us and strengthen us. That's the power of God's word, and that's how powerful God's word is, and it should impact our lives. So here's what he's saying. He says, listen, and, and here's the important thing. Three or four times in this passage, he's gonna say today, you know what that tells me? There's a sense of urgency. There's this whole sense of uh, of God telling you and me, don't put this off. Don't say, you know what, I'll take care of that tomorrow. I'll do that next week. Today, today we need to do it. And and that sense of urgency. So once again, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath They shall not enter my rest. As he's looking at this and as David, a thousand years earlier, was writing this psalm, he was thinking back to that generation of people who came out of Egypt. And just stop and think for a moment, because I think it should impact our lives. Stop and think for a moment. There was a group of people, as I already said, 600,000, that God revealed himself to, well, 600,000 men, again, I think 1.5, 2 million people. He revealed himself to in a miraculous way. You have the plagues. Now, you just think about that. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? If you would have been sitting in Egypt at that time, whether you were an Egyptian or, an, or a, 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 a Jew, you would be like blown away. Like, look at this stuff that's happening. How, much, how many of us are sort of blown away by what's going on in our generation and, and what we're seeing happening? Imagine, imagine it coming and then going away and then coming and then going away and, and different ones happening. And, and they witnessed all of that. And then God says, okay, here's the climax. You guys get some lamb right? Put the blood on the doorpost. You eat your lamb while the Egyptians suffer loss and the firstborn were killed. The Egyptians are wailing and hurting the Jews and not not flippantly, the Jews are eating lamb. And that morning, Pharaoh says, get out of here. And not only that, not only does he say, get out of here, here's the things that like really blows my mind. They say, here, take all of our stuff with you. Right? Here's our gold, here's our silver, just go, just get out of here. And so, would that impact your life? Yeah, I think it should. But you see, there's some of us that were much like them, we're kind of fair weather Christians or believers or trusters of God. And when it's going really well, hey, when people are giving you stuff, it's pretty easy to trust God, huh? And then you go out. And all of a sudden, you hit the Red Sea. What's the first thing you do when you hit the Red Sea? Moses, I hate you. What'd you bring us out here for? Why'd you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? We could have died in our own beds. We could have, you know, man, I just really want some leeks and onions and that soup. And God intervenes and parts the Red Sea. And you go through the Red Sea, then he drowns Pharaoh's army, and then... You get this cloud, all of a sudden this cloud like, I, you know, that's, I don't know if it made that noise, but you have this cloud and it guides you and it's always in front of you and always showing you and at night it turns into a pillar of fire. Don't you think, listen, don't you think at that point you would understand that God has things under control? But then you get to this place where you don't have any water. And that's where he quotes here. Listen, he quotes here where he says, you know, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. Trial or testing and, and, and rebellion. You know, go back, go back if you want and read Exodus 17. That's where Moses says, hey, we're going to call this place Meribah and Massa because here's where you rebelled and you, 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 you were tested and you failed. If God can do all those other things, don't you think he could get you a glass of water? But no, they have a fit. And then we come to Numbers chapter 13 and 14, and you can read that for homework. And that's what he's quoting here. And they get ready to go into Promised Land. What did God tell them before they ever even left Egypt? What did he say? I am going to teach. Take you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen, I am going to take you into a land flowing with milk and honey. He has done all of those miracles, He has shown you all that stuff. Do you believe He's going to take you into a land flowing with milk and honey? well you know what we really need to go spy it out we know what you said god but we really should check it out and remember they send the 12 spies in and then they come back and 10 of them go there's giants in the land i always love that scene giants in the land what are we going to do and joshua and caleb are there but you should see what the giants are eating man look at that food It is amazing, and they're going, we need to go. And then you have that big dilemma, and here's the thing. 500,996 men say we're not going. Four say we're going, right? Joshua, Caleb, Moses, and Aaron. All the others, we don't want to go. So a couple things we need to learn. Number one, democracy is not always a great way to do things. Just letting you know. And a majority ruling is not always right. It's not always correct. Hey, I think democracy is a great form of government that we're working with and, and, and when it works, and I know some of us are having doubts right now, but you know, hey, that's because that's the way it works. But it's not always right. And so they rejected and here's what happened. He says they hardened their hearts. How did they harden their hearts? Bottom line, here's what they said. God, we do not believe you. That's why I call it disbelief, not unbelief. You see, to me, unbelief is I haven't been shown things and I'm not sure. But disbelief is I have seen everything and I choose not to believe you. I choose to deny the facts or whatever, the evidence in front of me, and I'm not going to believe you. They chose that. And what does the Bible say? Then God said, And here's the crazy thing, when we get stubborn like that, and we get dug in, and we want to trade the immediate and the lust for the immediate, and and we want to trade off hope of of the ultimate and the good, you know what happens? God gives us the immediate. And he goes, okay, you you guys can stay on that side of the river. You want to stay over there? Stay over there. And here's what blows my mind. If you get a map later on today, look at the map in the back of your Bible, like the trek that they had from Egypt, even, even, you know, to the promised land, is maybe a week and a half. We could even even stretch it to a month because you got, you know, two million people. Took them 40 years. That's nuts. And they're going around the desert, right? So here's what God said. That's fine. And then he said... Every person, 20 years and older doesn't get to go in the promised land because you guys made a decision. All of those younger than 20 are gonna be the next generation and they're gonna go in except for two. Who were the two that got to go in? Joshua and Caleb. Don't you love that? Because they came back trusting God. So. Here's what he's telling you and I. He gives us a history lesson, lets us know, and a lot of us, listen, don't just listen to this as history. How is your heart today? What has God impressed on you that you're pushing down, that you're not trusting him, that you're not believing him, in spite of everything he's shown you, and we have a lot more revelation than they had, and here's what I'm talking about. We have the entire Old and New Testament to read. The guys David was writing to, they only had some of the history books. They didn't have the prophets. We have all of the history, we have all of the prophets, and then we have all of the New Testament. The guys, the Hebrew was, uh, the, the author of Hebrews writing to, didn't have the New Testament yet. We have all of that, and yet there are times, if we're really honest, we choose not to believe God so that we can experience some immediate satisfaction because we think that's better. And I know some of you are going, not me, and now you're doing it right now you're lying we do that and so there's the challenge so he says listen they did that now look at the first word in verse 12 or first two words beware brethren you know what that tells me here's what that tells me you and I are very susceptible to do this this is something that it's not something that we might do it's something we will probably do and God says watch out Look out. Listen, if it wasn't, if it was something we were never gonna do, the Lord would never warn us. And here's what he's saying, you guys need to beware. You and I need to be people who, we're very cautious of how we go forward and we're cautious of our relationship and we're cautious with things that come our way that look so shiny and perfect. I don't know if you guys really know this, but sin is very tempting. And sin looks really good, right? Somebody nod their head, yes. Otherwise, we wouldn't sin. Listen, man, if it came at us like a monster that was gonna destroy us like it is, if it came at us that way, what would we do? We would run. But man, it looks so good. Beware, brethren. I, I love thinking about that. When I read that, uh, my heart is like, oh no. I could probably do this. So. Listen, let's read on. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. This is telling me it's easy to drift. It's easy to depart. It's easy to trust in my own ways rather than trust in God's way. Why? Because it takes an act of faith. We have to exercise faith, and we have to believe God. And, you know, it always cracks me up when the, Pragmatic people of the world go, Oh, you Christians, you're all about faith. All of us are all about faith. We have faith that this world's going to keep us stuck to it. It's called gravity, right? We have faith that that's going to happen. We drive cars, we sit in the chairs. How many of you came in and tested that chair before you sat down? You looked at the whole thing, got underneath. Those welds any good, man? That welder doing any good? Or was he sleeping that day? Were these made on a Monday? Because if they're made on a Monday, I'm not going to sit in them. We trust, right? So we we, we do faith all the time. And here's what God is saying. Beware lest you get tripped up. Lest something comes and it begins to drag you and it begins to pull on you. You need to watch out and you need to understand. Listen, man, you need to understand that when you stop believing God, your heart becomes evil and hard. Now, I don't believe right now as we're looking at verse 12, it's hard beyond, but it's getting hard. And here's the thing, we need to admit it. If you don't admit it, it's gonna get harder. It's gonna get harder. But when you come to God and you admit it, number one, he's not surprised. Number two, it's like, okay, let's work on that. Now, here's another cure. Look at what he says going on in verse 13. So beware lest that be you, but, here's a contrast, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you harden through the deceitfulness of sin. How do we take care of this? We exhort one another. And we exhort one another once in a while. No, daily. That word exhort. Is the same word that we sometimes call fellowship. We can call encouraging. You can plug a lot of different things in there. I kind of like the idea of fellowship. Do you really believe, God, that we need each other? We do. We do need each other. And that's part of what bums me so much about what's going on with this whole pandemic thing is... I believe, listen, I believe there's some darkness involved because it's trying to separate us. And that's not good. Listen, it's not good, period. Humans were made to interact with each other and be social beings. That's how we're created. So when I hate the word social distance, that's an oxymoron. You can't be distant and social at the same time. So sorry, that doesn't work unless you're on Facebook, and we don't like Facebook anymore, so we're not gonna do that. So, but listen, we're created that way, and even more so spiritually. God made us to be one body, and we talked about that a lot. And God has made us listen, what He says you exhort one another, encourage one another, fellowship with one another daily. Hey, what we're doing here right now, this isn't fellowship. This is equipping. We're coming together to be equipped to do the ministry, to do the fellowshipping that God has called us to do, the exhorting of one another to look at one another, to come alongside one another, to come and say, hey man, I can't believe you're doing that. Can I help you? Is there something I can do to be next to you so you don't do that anymore? Man, you're kinda, I notice, I notice that here's where you're going. So remember, you know, Church is building us up so we can do that. So, hey, I believe we do need to assemble so that we can be equipped, so we can do the ministry. But I don't think he's talking about, quote, church here or the assembling. Here's what he's talking about. Our daily habits of being connected with one another daily and close enough to one another daily that we encourage one another. Now listen, I understand culturally, culturally we've been separating for a long time, right? We've been coming apart. We go, we go home, we open our garage door, we drive our car in, we shut our garage door, and we never come out again until we get in our car, open our garage door, drive off. And we don't like to talk to people. Who's your neighbor? I don't care who my neighbor is. And that's not good. Hopefully, you know, at least your neighbors, your immediate neighbors. But saints, when was the last time you encouraged somebody? When was the last time you spent some time, time enough with somebody to get to know them? I think that's important that we kind of look, look, once again, hold God's word up as a mirror. So that's what he says to do, so he Goes on here, verse 14, for we have become partakers of Christ. I like that. But then he puts this caveat in there. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Twice, twice the author of Hebrews brings up that thing. Why? Because we're likely to harden our hearts. And he says to you and I, listen, man, he says, we're partakers of Christ. And then he says, how do you know you're a partaker of Christ? You know you're a partaker of Christ because, here's the way I interpret that, because you're going to make it to the end. I am going to get to the end. How do I know that? The blood of Jesus Christ. I have put my faith in Jesus. Some of us, some of us, we've dipped our toe in Jesus, if you know what I mean. We're just like testing The Bible even says, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Some of us are tasting right now. We're kind of, in a little lick. Not sure if we want it, not sure if we don't, but, but here's the challenge today. Today, do not harden your hearts. When you hear his voice, do not do it. Don't do it like they did in the days of rebellion. How did those Jews who were delivered out of Egypt get to the place where they're on that border and they choose not to believe God? How did that happen? I think it happened in a couple ways and I think there's a chain of events. Number one, I think a lot of them quit believing God and maybe even started looking to Moses. But when you quit believing God, you become someone who you're, well, you have a little bit of contempt for God. And maybe God didn't do what you wanted him to do the way you wanted him to do it. So now you're one of those, well, you know what? He didn't do what I want to do and I don't trust him anymore. And then some of us do this. Then when we become contempt for God, then we do this. We start testing God. Any of you ever test God? It's called putting out fleeces. It cracks me up because some people think that's spiritual. That is not spiritual. That is almost the opposite of spiritual. Spiritual is, God, I trust you. I'm going to go do it. But Gideon said, I don't know if I can really trust you. So, God, here's the deal, right? I'm going to put this out. And if you do this, then I know I'm gonna tr- I can trust you. And God does that. And he goes, well, you know what? I know anybody could have done with that. Come on. Let's make it a little bit harder. That is called disbelief. You're not trusting God. So some of us listen, man, so we have that contempt, we quit trusting God, and then here's what happens, then we start grumbling. And we're negative people who grumble. Don't you love negative people? Don't you love those people who just suck the life out of you? And they drain you, it's just And all they want to do is talk about negative things and then negativity turns into grumbling and complaining. And there you go. You're at the border and we're not going in because we did, that's the chain of events. And here's what I know. That can happen in all our lives. And we need to be careful. I thank God for people around me. There are times where people around me are going, dude, you're getting a little negative. I always take that as, I better watch out. And here's what I find with myself. When I get negative, it's because I took my eyes off of Jesus and put my eyes on whatever. Might be the circumstance, it might be the political situation, it might be whatever. And I start looking at that, I start getting negative when I put my eyes back on Jesus. That stuff, listen, it doesn't go away, it fades away. So he says, man, watch out, don't do that. Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Verse six, Now, uh, I'm sorry, 16. 16, 17, and 18 are a series of questions. There's a question and an answer, a question and an answer, and, and he's kind of letting us, uh, kind of and rehashing everything. Verse 16, for who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? So who were the ones that rebelled? The very ones that I brought out of Egypt, right? So he's letting us know, hey, God was with them. Verse 17, now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? Are you kind of getting the picture? Now, I want to say something. All of those people who died in the wilderness, they were still Jews. It's not like they lost their Judaism. Here's what they lost. Rest. Not rest as much as, listen, it's not rest like, like when I go home Sunday after church doing two services. I go home, change my clothes, put on comfortable clothes, get in a chair and put my feet up. I go, ah. Oh, oh. that's rest. It's not that kind of rest. He's not talking about kicking your feet up kind of rest. Here's what he's talking about peace in the midst of your world. A lot of people used to, and I'm not sure it's as popular as it used to be because there was a lot of hymns about it and especially here at Calvary, since we don't do hymns, it was like when you cross over the Jordan and you go into the promised land, that's that's the equivalent of going to heaven. It's not. Hey, getting into Canaan was not equivalent to heaven because Canaan, they're still fighting. They're still trying to get the land. They're still trying to settle things. I look at it this way what he is saying they lost out on the rest was they didn't get to go into the promised land and have uh, uh, the ability to trust God through hard circumstances and be able to God's not going to fix all your circumstances any of you know that most of you can say amen right. Like you walk with God, he doesn't say, okay, it's all gonna be a bed of roses. I got everything, you're gonna be healthy and wealthy and everything's gonna be great from now on. No, what is the reality of walking with God? You're gonna face trials, you're gonna face tribulation, you're gonna face difficult things. But here's the rest. He's gonna be in those situations with you. And he's gonna walk with you. And in some of them, he's even gonna carry you and you don't even know it. But that's the rest that he's talking about. He's, and I don't think here he's talking about losing your salvation. I think he's talking about losing the joy of the journey. You hear me say it all the time. I know I'm going to heaven, but I want to enjoy the trip, right? I think most of us do. Listen, how many of you want to go through life bummed out the whole time? How many of you want to go through life being negative? Last night I said negative Nancy, and Nancy came and told me about that and said, quit talking about me. So how many of you want to go through life just grumbling and complaining and kicking the ground and being that person? I don't think anybody wants to do that. Let's enjoy and let's enter his rest. So here's what I'm thinking. People who refuse, you're not going to enter his rest. I'm not saying you're not going to be saved. I'm saying you're not going to experience all of God that you could experience in this life. And he's going he to bring things in your life. And you either trust him and believe him or you don't. It's one or the other. There's no like middle ground. And so he challenges that way. And verse, verse 19 says, see, so we see that they could not enter because of unbelief or disbelief. Where are you at today? Today. In my life, following God, the greatest thing, obviously, is when I trusted him for salvation. But then when I made a decision to put things aside in my life and go the direction he wanted me to go. Now, through that time, there has been a lot of trials. A lot of things have come. And I don't want to rehearse them all, but every time I made a decision in ministry and a decision to do things, my family or myself, we got attacked physically. It was, it's been intense, but I'm here to tell you, he took us through every one of those. And he's been faithful in every one of those. So I don't want you to think, man, hey, if I serve the Lord and I do this, woo! you're going to have to fight. What did they do when they went to Promised Land? They had to fight. They had to conquer the land. They had to take the land. I think it's the same with us. But when you have the rest or the peace of God through that, you can handle that. So today, I think there's two kinds of disbelief or unbelief here. I think one unbelief is you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. You've never asked him to save you. I think some people here today are in that, in that place. And You've never really done that. Oh, you maybe have heard it a hundred times. And, you know, every time your heart gets a little harder, a little harder. But you need to know something. And I'm saying this with all seriousness. Today is the day. If you hear his voice, today is the day to make that decision. So some are that way. And some of you need to make that decision and start this journey. But there's others of us that God has been impressing something on our heart and we keep pushing it down. We keep pushing it down and pushing it down and pushing it down. And in our minds, we think, man, if I get it, don't get it get it down here God's not gonna that is disbelief and he's saying man if you trust me you are not gonna believe what I'm gonna do yeah I'm not trusting you because you're gonna send me someplace that I don't want to go and I'm gonna hate life for the rest of my life it's gonna be miserable I'm gonna have to eat worms and you know suck prune juice or something and uh, and we do that come on saints so you've pushed it down stop it today if you hear his voice Do not harden your heart. Don't do it. And I know, listen, I know it's scary to say, okay, God, I surrender. Let's go. Woo, it is scary, scary. Why? Because he's not going to give you the whole picture. In my life, God did not give me the whole picture. Here's what he said. Here's a glimpse. And then here's another glimpse. And then I do a little bit more, and here's another glimpse. Now, looking back, I can see the movie. But he didn't give me the whole thing. He never told me I was gonna end up in Sierra Vista pastoring a church, you know, and end up in town here and doing what he's done. He's never, he never told me that. He said, here's what I want you to do. Teach my word. Okay. And you start there. So you gotta start somewhere. So take that step. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we do... uh, Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your challenge this morning. And Lord, I know sometimes, man, we hit these passages and sometimes they're a little hard-hitting, a little bit difficult for us. And yet, Lord, I'm blown away. I'm blown away how appropriate and how timely your word can be in our lives. And so I pray for myself I pray for everyone in here, God, that we would be men and women who are not afraid to trust you. I know, I know, our natural instinct is to go with the things that we feel are safe and secure and they're dangled in front of us. And that step of faith is hard, it's difficult. But I also know you have never lied. You have never cheated anybody. You've never quote, hung people out to dry. You have always, always been faithful to fulfill your word. So God, give us, even if it's a mustard seed of faith, to believe you, not believe, put faith in faith, but put faith in you and Lord, that we could have that rest that you talk about. And I want you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more minutes, and if you are here today, and you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, and listen, I know, some, I know, I know there's people who come here week after week after week, and there's not that real relationship. I don't know who you are, but I know, that, I know that's a reality. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So I don't care if you've come to Calvary for 15 years or if you're just visiting today. If you do not know him right now, right in this moment, call on his name and the Bible says and you will be saved. And by that, here's what we simply mean. You need to confess to him that you're a sinner. You need to acknowledge that he died on the cross for your sins. The Bible's very clear, listen, the Bible says every single person is sin, and the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Jesus chose to take your sin upon him. He chose to take the wages of sin, which is death, separation from God, upon himself. And now today, right here, right now, he holds out a receipt for you that says paid in full. All you have to do is take it. So if I'm talking to you and and, hey, you're ready to do that, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And you can say this prayer with me. You can say it out loud, you can say it silently. It's got to come from your heart. If you're backslidden today, man, if you've drifted, maybe even your heart is hard and you know, you know, listen, you had that relationship and right now it is not working and God has not moved, you have moved, then come home. Come back to Jesus. That's his heart. If you're watching online, you're at home, hey, you can say this prayer with us. You don't have to be in this building. You can say it right in your home. Jesus, today, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry, God, that I sinned against you. And right now, today, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you today for your forgiveness. Now I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, come into my life and guide me. Today I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior.